0: Get last Tuesday's incident. Disco girl coming through. That girl is you. Don't come in! Don't come in! You were listening to girly Icelandic pop sensation Baba? No, <laughs> I wasn't. It's not important. Have you ever been to a place, a uh, park, anywhere in the world? that pulls you so far out of your life and immerses you in a fantasy world, in a dream world, that is so overwhelming, so enrapturing. It captures every bit of your imagination. And yes, I know that's what they're good at. That's what they do, and that's what they strive to do. And several different things have come about as to what their hidden messages and different things mean and what different messages mean but I've often wondered about the history of it and where they came into existence and how they started and how it started so I wondered all that and I've thought about all that and where that could have come into existence and it's gotten very very interesting for me and very very wondering for me so much so that I always wanted, along with starting a previous episode with the King of Queens intro, my favorite TV show, there's nothing else in the world like it, I've always wanted to start with my favorite show, my favorite Disney show. In the beginning of this episode, you heard Gravity Falls. The first was the theme, and the second was a little excerpt from the show, and that was Jason Ritter as Dipper. Kristen Schaal as Mabel, and Alex Hirsch, the creator, as Grunkle Stan, and that's my favorite, most beloved TV show, Disney show. I, I, it's hilarious. And there's other things about Disney that I really like, but Gravity Falls, there's something else. There's something unlike it. That's unlike it in the world nothing else is like gravity falls is unlike anything else that has ever existed and i guess you could i could you could say that i owe that to alex hirsch for what he created and what became of it it should have gone on far longer than it did and i know at the time that kind of thing was typical for disney series but i've often wondered what what disney was like how walt got his start and how the legacy began. And now that Disney, the company bearing his name, owns everything under the sun. Which I can't possibly fathom how Disney and Marvel go together. How Disney and Star Wars, for that matter as well, go together. It just doesn't seem like it adds up. But, you know, whatever. So I've kind of wondered as to where the great history and where this all came from. And it all goes back to around 1923 when Walt arrived in California in the summer of 1923 with a lot of hopes but a little else but little else. He made a cartoon in Kansas City about a little girl in a cartoon world called Alice's Wonderland. And he decided that he could use it as his pilot film to sell a series of these Alice comedies to a distributor soon after arriving in California he became very successful a distributor in New York MJ Winkler contracted contracted to, to distribute the Alice comedies on October 16, 1923 and this date became the start of the Disney company originally known as the Disney Brothers cartoon studio with Walt and his brother Roy as equal partners the company soon changed its name at Roy's suggestion to the Walt Disney Studio a lot of this is coming from the Disney archives and from D23 Disney history so all this is from that and from my notes so credit where credit is due. Walt made his Alice companies for four years but in 1927 he decided to move instead to all cartoons to an all-cartoon series. To star in this new series, he created a character named Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Within a year, Walt made 26 of these Oswald cartoons. But when he tried to get some additional money from his distributor for a second year of cartoons, he found out that the distributor had gone behind his back and signed. Up almost all of his animators, hoping to make the Oswald cartoons in his own studio for less money without Walt. On rereading his contract, Walt realized that he did not own the rights to Oswald. The distributor did. And it was a painful lesson for the young cartoon producer to learn. From then on, he saw to it that he owned everything he made. The original Disney studio had begun in the back of a half in the back half of a real estate office on Kingswell Avenue in Hollywood, but soon Walt had enough money to move next door and rent the whole store for his studio that that small studio was, was sufficient for a couple of years, but the company eventually outgrew it, and Walt had to look elsewhere. He found an ideal piece of property on Hyperion Avenue in Hollywood, built a studio, and in 1926, moved his staff to the new facility. It was at the Hyperion studio, after the loss of Oswald, that Walt had to come up with a new character. And I bet you're all thinking what that character's name is. Well, you're kind of right. That character was Mickey with his chief animator U- with with his chief animator Ub Iwerks. Ub Iwerks. Walt designed the famous mouse and gave him a personality that endeared him to all. Ub animated two Mickey Mouse cartoons, but Walt was unable to sell them because they were silent films and sound was revolutionizing the movie industry at the time. So they made a third Mickey Mouse cartoon, this time with fully synchronized sound. Lost my place in the note in my notes. Fully synchronized sound and Steamboat Willie opened to rave reviews at the Col- Colony Theater in New York on November 18, 1928. A cartoon star, Mickey Mouse, was born. The new character was immediately popular, and a lengthy series of Mickey Mouse cartoons followed. Note not one not one to rest on his laurels. Walt soon produced and soon produced another series, the Silly Symphonies, to go with the Mickey series. It featured different casts of characters in each film, and enabled animators to experiment with stories that relied less on the gags of quick and quick humor of the Mickey cartoons, and more on mood, emotion, and musical themes. Eventually, the Silly Symphonies turned into a training ground for all Disney artists, as they prepared to. Ad- as they prepared for the advent of animated fi- feature films, Flowers and Trees, a silly symphony and the first full car- color cartoon, won the Academy Award for Best Cartoon in 1932, the first year that the Academy offered such a category. For the rest of the decade, for the rest of that decade, a Disney cartoon won the Oscar every year. While the cartoons were gaining popularity in movie houses, the Disney staff found that merchandising the characters was an additional source of revenue. A man in New York offered Walt $300 for the license to put Mickey Mouse on the same pencil tablets he was manufacturing. Walt needed $300, so he said it was okay. That was the start of the Disney merchandising. Soon there were Mickey Mouse dolls, dishes, Toothbrushes, radios, figurines, and almost everything you could think of, which bore Mickey's likeness. The year 1930 was a big one for the mouse that started it all, as it saw the first Mickey Mouse book and newspaper comic strip published. One night, in 1934, Walt informed his animators that they were going to make an animated feature film. And then he told them the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. There were some skeptics in the group, but before long, everyone had caught Walt's enthusiasm, and work began in earnest. It took three years, but the landmark film debuted on December 21st, 1937, and became a spectacular hit. Snow White soon became the highest grossing film of all time a record it held until it was surpassed by Gone with the Wind. Now Walt Disney's studio had firmer footing. The short cartoons paid the bills, but Walt knew that future profits would come from feature films. Thus, work immediately began on on other feature projects, but as things were looking rosy, along came World War II. The next two features Pinocchio and Fantasia were released in 1940 They were technical masterpieces but their costs were too high for a company losing most of its foreign markets because of the war Dumbo was made in 1941 on a very limited budget but Bambi in 1942 was another expensive film and caused the studio to retrench It would be many years before the animated features of the highest caliber could be put into production. During the war, Walt made two films in South America, Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros, at the request of the State Department. His studio concentrated on making propaganda and training films for the military. When the war ended, it was difficult for the Disney Studio to regain its pre-war footing. Several years went by with the release of packaged features, films such as the, as the make, as the, I didn't take clear notes on this title here, films such as, films such as, Make Mine Music and Melody Time, containing groups of short cartoons packaged together. Walt also moved into live-action production, with films such as So Dear to My Heart, but because audiences expected animation from Walt, these films included animated segments. Walt opened some new doors by beginning the award-winning True Life adventure series, featuring nature photography of a style never seen before. The year 1950 saw big success at Disney. The first completely live action film, Treasure Island, the return to a classic animated features with Cinderella, and the first Disney television show at Christmas time. The company was moving forward once again. After two Christmas specials, Walt Disney went on to television in a big way in nineteen fifty four, with the beginning of the Dis- with the beginning of the Dis- Disneyland anthology series. This series would this series eventually would run on three networks, and go through six title changes, but it remained on the air for 29 years, making it the longest-running primetime television series ever, until modern days when modern television surpassed everything. The Mickey Mouse Club, one of television's most popular children's children's series, debuted in 1955 but made stars of a group of talented mousketeers, several names which we all know today. Walt was never satisfied with what he had already accomplished. As his motion pictures and television programs became successful, he felt a desire to branch out. One area that intrigued him was amusement was amusement parks. As a father, he had taken his two young daughters to zoos, carnivals, and other entertainment enterprises. But he always ended up sitting on the beach, sitting on the bench as they rode the merry-go-round and had all the fun. He felt that there should be a park where parents and children could go and enjoy their times together. This was the genus of his concoction for Disneyland. After several years of planning and construction, the new park opened on July 17, 1955. Disneyland was a totally new kind of park. Observers coined the term theme park, but even that does not seem to, dis- seem to do Disneyland justice. It has been used as a pattern for every amusement park since. built since its opening, becoming internationally famous and attracting hundreds of millions of visitors. Walt said that Disneyland would never be completed as long as there was imagination left in the world. And that statement remains true today. New attractions are added regularly. And Disneyland is even more popular now than it was in 1955. The 50s saw the release of the classic 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, The Shaggy Dog, first in a series of wacky comedies, and a popular TV series about the legendary hero Zorro. In 1960s, the 1960s, the 1960s brought about audio animatronics technology pioneered with Walt Disney's enchanted tiki room at Disneyland and then four shows at the 1964 New York World's Fair and Mary Poppins perhaps the culmination of all Walt Disney had learned during his long movie-making career but the 60s also brought it brought the end of an era Walt died on december 15 sixty six. Plans that Walt left behind carried the company for a number of years under the supervision of Roy. The Jungle Book in nineteen sixty seven and The Aristocrat in nineteen seventy 1970 showed that the company could still make animated classics. The Love Bug in nineteen sixty-nine was the highest grossing film of the year. Disney began work on educational films and materials in a big way, with the start of 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 an educational subsidiary in 1969. After the success of Disneyland, it was only natural for Walt to consider another park on the East Coast. Prior to his death, the company purchased land in Florida, and the Walt Disney World project, located on some... 28,000 acres near Orlando was announced. It opened on October 1, 1971. In Florida, the company had the space it lacked in California. Finally, there was room to create a destination resort unencumbered by the urban sprawl that had grown up around Disneyland. Walt Disney World would include not only a Magic Kingdom theme park like the Disneyland, but also hotels, campgrounds golf courses and shopping villages It did not take long for Walt Disney World to become the premier vacation destination in the world Roy who after Walt's death oversaw the building and financing of Disney World died in late 1971 and for the next decade the company was led by a team including card Walker Don Tatum and Ron Miller all originally trained by the Disney brothers one of Walt's latest plans had been for the experimental prototypical community of tomorrow or as everyone knows it today Epcot while he died before the plans could be re- refined they're brought out a, again a few years in a few years and in 1979 ground was broken for the new park in Florida Epcot, a combination of future world and world showcases representing an investment of more than a billion dollars, opened to great acclaim on October 1, 1982. WED Enterprises, later named Walt Disney Imagineering, the design and development division for the parks, had several projects in the works during during the early 80s. In addition to designing Epcot, it was hard at work on plans for Tokyo Disneyland, the first foreign Disney park. Tokyo Disneyland opened April 15, 1983 and was an immediate success in a country that had always loved anything Disney. Now now that the Japanese had their own Disneyland, they flocked to it in increasing numbers. Movie making also was changing in America in the early 1980s. Audiences were diminishing for the family films that had been the mainstay for the company for many years. And Disney was not meeting the competition, it was not meeting the competition for films that attracted the huge teenage and adult markets. To reverse that trend, Disney established a new label, Touchstone, Touchstone Pictures with the release of Splash in 1984. At the same time, because of the widespread perception that Disney's stock was undervalued relative to the company's assets, two corporate raiders attempted to take over Disney. The efforts to keep the company from being broken up ended when Michael Eisner, famous name there, when Michael Eisner and Frank Wells became chairman and president respectively the new management team immediately saw ways for Disney to maximize its assets. The company had left network television in 1983 to prepare for the launch of a cable network. The Disney Channel While the pay, while the pay TV service was successful, Eisner and Wells felt Disney should have a strong network presence as well. So in 1985, Disney's Touchstone division began the immediate successful began, I just lost it, just lost my notes, and the article from Disney began the, immediately, began the immensely successful Golden Girls, followed in 1986 by a return to Saturday night television, which the Disney Sunday movie, later The Magical World of Disney and The Wonderful World of Disney, films from the Disney library were selected for the syndication market and some of the classic animated films were released on videocassette. Using the the sell-through technique, Disney classics soon reached the top of the all-time bestseller lists. The 1980s brought new innovations to the parks. At Disneyland, new collaborations with filmmakers George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola brought Captain EO and Star Tours to the park and Splash Mountain opened in 1989. Over at Walt Disney World in Florida, Disney's Grand Floridian Beach and Caribbean Beach Resorts opened in 1988. And three new gated attractions opened in 1989. This is Disney MGM Studios, Pleasure Island, and Typhoon Lagoon. Filmmaking hit new heights in 1988 as Disney for the first time, led Hollywood Studios in box office gross with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Good Morning Vietnam, Three Men and a Baby, and later Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Dick Tracy, Pretty Woman, and Sister Act. They each passed the $100 million milestone. Disney moved into new air areas by starring, starting Hollywood Pictures and acquiring the Rather Corp. And television station KHJ, which was renamed KCAL, in merchandising Disney. In merchandising, Disney purchased Childcraft and opened numerous highly successful, profitable Disney stores, several of which exist all over the country. Most prominently, to me, out here in Seattle, the easiest and most closest Disney store to get to is the one in South Center Mall, out in Tukwila, Washington. Now, say what you want, and say what you want, what you feel about Disney. Some people are dissuaded, some people are pro, some people are minus. Disney has a certain ability with its Imagineers to take you out of your world, take you out of your life, and to pull you in, like I said, to put you in this world of wonder and fantasy, and to keep your... just. It, it's, it's so amazing, and so wonderful, and so beautiful as to what they can do and over in France the park now known as Disneyland Paris opened on April 12, 1992 eagerly anticipated the beautiful designated park attracted almost 11 million visitors during its first year I have been to Disneyland Paris Disneyland Paris is complemented by six uniquely designated resort hotels and a campground Dixie Landings and Port Orleans and a well-received Disney Vacation Club enlarged lodging possibilities at the Walt Disney World Resort while Mickey's Toonstone Toontown, Mickey's Toontown and the Indiana Jones Adventure helped increase attendance at Disneyland. Walt Disney World opened the All-Star Resorts, Wilderness Lodge, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, Blizzard Beach, the Boardwalk Resort, Coronado Springs Resort, the Disney Institute, Downtown Disney, Downtown Disney West Side, and the redesigned Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom Park. Now, I have been and ridden several times the Twilight Zone Tower of Tower Tower of Terror. And before they changed it within the last maybe five years or so, or maybe more than that, ten, they the Tower of Terror was an awesome ride. I loved it. And that's before they changed it and kind of made it like this yo-yo effect. Where you're up in this car and it goes down and up and then down and then up. And that's not good. That gives you vertigo. And that gives you that makes you very sick to your stomach and dizzy. And that's just not good. And that's, that's bad. I don't like rides that do that. I never have. And those just are not good. So before that, when it was just seeing all the twilight zone kind of scenery within the ride and seeing everything and being immersed into what disney is good at and it before it was just one straight drop that was perfect and that that was that was amazing and disney animation often began reaching even greater audiences the little mermaid being topped the Little Mer- with The Little Mermaid being topped by Beauty and the Beast in 91, which was in turn topped by Aladdin in 92. Hollywood Records was formed to offer a wide selection of recordings ranging from rap to movie soundtracks. New television shows, such as Living with, Living, Live with Regis and Kathy Lee, Empty Nest, Dinosaurs, and Of Improvement, Tim Allen, ooh, 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 ooh. sorry, that's when I like I liked Tim's first show. So that just made me think that they expanded Disney's television base for the first time in 1991. Disney moved into publishing, forming Hyperion Books for the Chil- Hyperion Books for children and Disney Press, which was re- which released books on Disney and non-Disney subjects. Disney purchased Discover magazine the leading consumer science monthly as total as a, as a total new venture disney was awarded in 1993 the franchise for a national hockey league which still exists today the mighty ducks of anaheim they were awarded in 93 for let me so let's get this straight the ducks of anaheim the anaheim ducks are owned by disney they were awarded that team, so Disney has a footing in the NHL. So you, I, I, I don't know if they do any more. If someone bought bought the Ducks from Disney or is managing them for Disney, I don't know what the case is. Maybe not there, but that's how the the Ducks came into existence in the NHL. Um, it was they, they picked that name, I believe. ...after they named the team after their movie. And that's how they became over... ...and that's how they became existence... ...into existence. The Disney success with animated feature films... ...continued in 1994... ...with The Lion King... ...which soon became one of the highest grossing films of all times. It was followed by Pocahontas in 95, ...The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1996... ...Hercules in 1997... Mulan in 1998, Tarzan in 99, and then Fantasia 2000 at the turn of the century. Toy Story pioneered computer animation techniques and was followed by successful sequels. Disney also continued its strong presence in children's animation programs for television and found success with sequels to animated features released directly to the video market. Now, Toy Story is... Toy Story was created by Pixar. And Pixar was a started or formed as a separate company. It was not affi- it was not originally affiliated or not originally connected to Disney at all. And then eventually they merged. I think, I don't think Disney bought them out. Maybe they eventually did. But I don't think Disney bought them out. I think they just merged with Disney. Because they could get and disney offered them they did the distribution that they couldn't get elsewhere or on their own that's kind of how they got how toy story how you go to disney world or the disney things and see and see woody and buzz and and all the and and all the uh, and rex and all the characters that's how you see that i like i said i think they were they were connected cuz by distribution now they're part of Disney, but they were connected to Disney originally by distribution. It was it, it it was very very interesting. So in 1994, Disney ventured onto Broadway with a very successful stage production of Beauty and the Beast, followed in 1997 by a unique staging of a show based on The Lion King, and in 2000 by by Aida, by. By restoring the historic New Amsterdam Theater on 42nd Street, Disney became the catalyst for successful makeover of the famous Times Square area. A musical, version of the, a musical version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame opened in Berlin, Germany in 1999. There's a lot of information, there's a lot of stories, a lot of history that Disney has. A lot of legacy that that Walt that Walt and Roy created and like I said earlier say what you want about Disney say what you want plus minus whatever say what you want about Disney but they do something that well Vegas does they take the life that you have and they pull you out of that life and they put you into this fantasy world so they put you into this world of your wildest dreams of of this, this this amazing thing, this great thing, and you get to live it, and you get to live in, in fantasy, and this great and it's a wonderful thing. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. So there's a lot of information, there's a lot of history, and a lot of stuff on Disney, and Disney history. And look it up, and you can see so much things that your mind probably wouldn't have even conceived of. And even thought of and thank you all for listening thank you all for journeying with me journeying with me on this journey into walt's life and to how disneyland and how he started and how everything came about thank you all so much for listening stick around for a little more on the end here want to check out the best podcast and best youtube channel out there true true friends of this podcast check out fantastic cruising over on apple podcast and all your favorite podcasting devices and services give them a five-star review head on over to youtube look up fantastic studios give them a five-star review and give them comments they'll love that to death they are the greatest podcast out there give them a shout out To go to Vegas? Visit the best places all around the Strip and all around downtown and all around the surrounding areas? Check out the best vlogs for Vegas anywhere on YouTube at Brar Frederick over on YouTube. B-R-O-R Frederick F-R-E-D-R-I-K over on YouTube. Go over to Brar Frederick. Subscribe to his channel. Click that bell icon. Click that Hit those those like those like up thumbs. Give give Bra a follow, give Bra a look. You'll really love what you're seeing. He's an awesome streamer, the best Vegas streamer, and the best thing to watch while you're in Vegas before you go to Vegas, just to experience Vegas as a whole. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA people and their families. Every gift, whether one dollar or one thousand, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.